Due to a shitload of swearing and some graphic conversations, listener discretion is advised. Hey folks, Totsky here. Uh, good to be talking with you guys again. I know we've been off and on, and I'm sure that'll continue. Uh, but hey, we got a great podcast uh, lined up here for you today. And uh, we got a special guest, Ryan Hansen, an indie filmmaker who's done some really incredible projects. Uh, he's gotten a TV deal with CBC before. It was, it was He's been actually showcased in the, the Fort McMurray Film Festivals that uh, we've done. So, excellent stuff. Uh, we got him on the show. Uh, we did this, we recorded this show, I think, in July, and uh, I do want to apologize to Ryan, because we actually talk about an Indiegogo campaign uh, that he was starting for his latest project, uh, and due to some crap we had over the summer, we actually had a, a bunch of viruses and spam uh, come, just basically tear apart the website, so that's why we were down for a lot of the summer, and then just busy schedules and trying to get it up has, has been, trying to get back into like the the regular flow of things has always been a pain, at least on my end, but hopefully we could uh, figure it out. So Ryan, I do want to apologize, uh, we can get this out in time to, uh, to coincide with your Indiegogo campaign, but uh, after listening to the show, guys, if anyone wants to reach out and get in touch with Ryan, uh, vimeo.com slash Ryan MC Hansen. Uh, you can see all his work there. There's ways to get in touch with him. Definitely uh, check him out and support if you can. Uh, the project we're talking about is Forever Rabbit, uh, and it looks absolutely incredible. I know the Indiegogo campaign, of course, is done, uh, but still, it was, it was worth checking out. So uh, get in touch with him, see his film, make, see his films, uh, and, and support wherever you can. Uh, we also talk about Dookie Squad, really cool web series out of Edmonton. So, really cool show for the indie filmmaker and all of us. Uh, so let's get right into it. Check out episode one hundred and nine, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wyman Podcast. I'm Totsky. We're back. I'm Tito. <laughs> Oh, I'm Ashcake. I guess I'm next in line. Normally, you guys always go to Steve first. But well, we go, it's, it's a circle. You gotta follow it? the circle. Well, normally I sit over here and he sits over here, so I'm confused. Never mind. <laughs> Whatever. Screwing with the flow. I, I, I'm Steve. Hi. So, before we get into our uh, special guest, uh, we're doing this beforehand, right? I'll figure it out. Let's okay. start talking. So, before we get to our special guest, uh, we would actually like to do a review. Actually, this is kind of like a little bit of a mini cinephiles, but um, it actually has to do with a new web series, or yeah, I guess this year, right? A new web series. Um, unfortunately, it's not the, the, the long awaited Christmas special for the people that touch your food. Ryan, we're still waiting on that. Yes. Wait, I know you have it done. Just edit the fucker <laughs> and release it because we're really excited we're to get some closure. Absolutely. Oh, I guess Christmas would make the most sense, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like releasing cover in October or something. So I know everyone's really depressed about Community being cancelled and now happy again that it's coming back for its sixth season. And a movie. 
But in the interim, not confirmed. But in the interim, an Edmonton filmmaker has actually started a web series. They're up to episode five right now. Well, by the time this podcast airs, the finale, the finale will be up, so you can watch it in its in its entirety. Uh, it's called Dookie Squad. Dookie Squad. See, I feel like it has this such is a catchy Dookie song, annoying Ash, catchy song. Who knew life in a hospital would be so hard? This is how Ash feels because I, I, I don't fucking, I haven't seen it. And I, I'm feeling out of the loop. I'm feeling. This happens to me all the time. I know. Day. So, I hate so it. essentially, what it is is uh, the director Angela Palmer, uh, Angela Palmer, which big ups for female directors. There's not Woo! enough of them. Uh, she came up with the concept, and uh, what it well, is, and we should also mention a uh, local connection. Our friend Ashley Allman. Who yes, is, uh, who, it, it's not always based out of Fort McMurray, but she's—I uh, know her because she used to be my manager at the Fort Theater here for a little while. She was manager, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, very short while. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, and then she uh, kind of went on to be try to be uh, on the opposite side of the screen, not projecting, but actually being projected. And uh, so she's she's one of the main characters in the show. Or in the yeah, short Jezebel, show. Jezebel, yeah, yeah. So, um, wow. so the the whole <laughs> series uh, takes place in a hospital. In fact, I, th- I think they shot at the, the janitorial staff of the yeah, hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, it's about the janitorial staff of the hospital, and it's it's very much like community. Like it's yeah. like this this kind of like it, this gr- this small group of people, and some hate each other, some like each other. And it's, there's a real parallel between Chang and uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the forget uh, the character's I, name. I can't remember his name. I was name actually now too. looking that up. Oh, here oh. we go, uh, Albert. There you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Norton Ma, who has actually worked with uh, another local connection, uh, High Wire Films, uh, Mike Robertson and uh, Arlen uh, yes. Kanapaki. Yeah. Um, he's, he was in a short with them and uh, with uh, an actor who I worked with. Uh, shit, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> Fuck me. My brain is Off frozen. Of what film? From Nighthawks. Um, oh, my God. I can't it's remember. It's just a brain fart. No, it's not Charles. It's one of my. It's uh, Ted Sloan, and it's on the tip of my tongue. I'm so sorry, dude. He's listening and he's yelling it. I know. I'm like, ah. Well, just keep going. I'll try and find that name for you. He's yeah. just running a hot bath now. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, but him, uh, uh, um, the character of Albert. <laughs> you guys are dicks. <laughs> I just got that. That's yeah, all. and and my char- and the character of <laughs> Kevin from Nighthawks. God damn it! I know hot it's water. like. Yeah, hot water. There's another thing the same. It's something else, and give me Peter a, Fernandez. There you go. There you go. Fuck me, man. I can't believe I forgot. Take his the name. knife away, Peter. Please. Yeah, kinda, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Peter. But anyway, uh, he he's the one that you know hate fuck in uh, Nighthawks. All right. Yeah. When you fuck out of hate. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he um, uh, so he That's actually good luck. The, the, the two of them were in this uh, this parody video called it was like Zach Braff and Justin Bieber Fun Day Out. And they pret- I want to see this so bad. <laughs> the two of them, the two of them pretend premise. to be Zach Braff and Justin Bieber, even though they don't look anything like them. <laughs> and they're like having sexy parties and stuff, and it's it's really ridiculous. But that's the first time I saw um, uh, what's his name, Tony? Uh, no, uh, Norton Ma. But uh, he's really good as Albert. Actually, yeah, he's, he's got one of this my whole characters. Him and Julio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Julio's really funny. Even I'm like, even though I'm like, he's not Spanish, but they don't spell it Spanish. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> So these like these really cool uh, archetypes in it. Jezebel is really funny in it. She's like this really catty <laughs> character. Um, uh, Angela Palmer's character because she's also in it. She's like the main character. Mm-hmm. She's very much like, for lack of a better word, word she is um, uh, what's the name from Community uh, Jeff. Yeah, okay. she's she's your Jeff character, right? and she's so. the she's the she does the whole um, high fidelity John Cusack yeah. chatting at the fourth wall. 
yeah, uh, yeah, narration, yeah. which I, I love. I love that type of storytelling. She actually breaks it down. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She'll have like the freeze frame. Because Ovid always references it, but he never actually breaks. Yeah. It. So they go they go meta into into in it a couple of times oh. in terms of like what they're aware of the situation and all that. And it's it, it's a fun series. Like I highly recommend it. The only the only thing I, I'd say about it is. Um, the the song while catchy is so annoying it gets stuck in your head but I guess that's the goal so it, it works, works man because all day like I've been rewatching them just for the podcast yeah. and like all day today I'm like Dookie Squad <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, he did it like the whole way here yeah, and, and the episodes <laughs> are far too short and I understand how long is it they're five. like five minutes at ma- at the max right but you want it to be longer like I would love twelve but minute episodes because you can flesh them out you right? could you could but I really like the setup too because it's it's really smartly it it reminds me of um, uh, how the guild is staged because mm-hmm. it's all it's it's five minute episodes and something happens in it but they always perfectly set up what will happen in the next one too like they give you that little carrot every time yeah and, and that and, and and to that end it's very effective because every time an episode ends I'm like fuck I want to see the next one like I want so resolution to this hit. plot right yeah. but like what I also enjoy is the dialogue it's very smartly written so lots of credit on that and, and you, you, you like it, it comes naturally you know sometimes you watch shows or movies and stuff and it's just like this is being really forced right and so like that's what I like about community is everyone speaks very naturally and that's what I kind of like about Dookie Squad as well so I can't recommend it enough it's, it's got really good production value uh Daryl Murpaw is actually nice. their editor, and and it shows he's really good at, at cutting it together. And he he's of course director of Hybrid Moments, yeah. uh, which is a, mo- a movie that is an amazing movie. By the way, I, I had the luxury of actually seeing a, a, a screener of it. Um, so it, it's a really good series. I can't recommend enough. A lot of lo- uh, talent out of Edmonton and a Fort Murray touch to it. So and honestly, that's I, I feel. It, I mean, uh, they're they're different animals, but I feel like for me, it 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 has been uh, filling that. Gap for me f- with uh, people who touch your food. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like ah, oh, it's a little bit more. Finally, a little yeah, bit yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. And I think like there's there's something to be said about uh, basing a web series or anything around what the resources are available to you, right? Like it's 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 set in a hospital, but it has very little to do with the hospital. It has everything to do with the clean staff. It could very much be a, a clean staff at another facility or whatever. But it's fun. Uh, like I, I I really like. I feel that like more series need to be like I feel there should be like a way on YouTube that like if someone really likes if you like you could tip a film you know what I mean like it, it, and that gives it funding to make another one right so well, that'll be the what next are you model. saying there was a thing there is yeah, yeah. there is yeah there but is but it's not like YouTube it's like uh, the yeah. guy the, the the dude from Film Cow who did like Charlie the Unicorn that yeah. uh, he he's on it and and what it is is essentially now he makes content based on. If you like my film, give me a tip, and if I reach my goal, I will make another animation or whatever. Yeah. And he's doing really good with it. Good so. way to do, yeah. But I mean, it, it's a great, it's a great way to like. Well, no, because we don't have the rights to Batman. Oh, good point. You yeah, can't yeah. get money out of it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but like, I mean, if you've got original content, yeah. which you should, right? I mean, there's nothing to say that. Like, I mean, may, like what I've been doing is really researching all this stuff and stuff like Dookie Squad and people that touch your food. Like, I mean. It, like it really inspires me. Like, hey man, we should do a local web series or something of that sort, right? Well, so. and I mean, we're kind of we're we're delving into that. Yeah. I mean, we don't exactly have a release schedule or, or or you know a full run of episodes planned or anything. But I'm really hoping that we can make something out of Zach and Steve. Uh, you know, make it a limited run of. of oh sorts. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I'm totally like I mean, I, I the first one really stands on its own. You're just like, oh, that's that Zach works. and Steve, Roomies. There's all kinds. The the direct the, the rec feature like. Mm-hmm. Fuck, tons of ideas. Time is the yeah. key. 
So exactly. time will always be the key. And, so if anyone's looking for something entertaining or something to inspire you in terms of dialogue writing stuff it? for your script, uh, YouTube, uh, just search for Dookie Squad Dookie or DookieSquad.tv. Dookie Dookie yeah. yeah. DookieSquad.tv. Yeah. yeah. So check it out. Canadian content. Give them money. If they, if they, because they're, they're, I'm sure they're going to try to go for a season two, and I, I really, I really they think do. they should because they've they got a lot of talent. Plus, female directors, we need more of them. Do you think? Do you think she's going to hook up with the guy in the last episode? You think it's going to oh. be a thing? Chikala, Squad.tv. Check it out. I think I'm the only person in the world who would get that clone high reference. Special guests joining us live via Skype. Who we got online today? Ryan Hansen. Yep, for uh, those yeah. of you that... Is that one of the Hanson brothers? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> it is. No, um, this, is, this is the Ryan Hansen uh, winner of Best Director for the 2013 um, Interplay Film Festival, which was the, <laughs> the last technical Interplay Film Festival before we, we went into the... Uh, we're now into our Fort McMurray International well, Film Festival. And uh, well, although we had uh, made that leap before it was even announced, there isn't even a win- an interplay this year. So yeah, which is fucking tragic, man. Like it's it's. Uh, I don't know if it's public news or not, and I'll decide whether or not we should edit it out. But for the fucking Interplay Society not to release the name Interplay, oh, is <gasps> how dare you? Such, We're going down with the ship. It's such Ryan, Ryan's going to hear all of our dirty laundry yeah. stuff oh, yeah, about yeah. it. You're going to get some Fort McMurray interplay's done. Well, yeah, actually. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a history lesson, but first of all, I kind of want to finish the introduction. So, <laughs> No, this is, this is all for Ryan's benefit. Um, for those of you guys that don't know who Ryan Hansen is, shame on you. No, uh, Ryan, um, Ryan is a director out of uh, the East, Eastern Canada. Anything beyond Saskatchewan we, we really don't care about here in Western Canada. But he's from some small town. Anybody who gets to vote first, Somewhere in, you. In, in the little province of Ontario. <laughs> they, they just run their mouths in that province asking for our money but um no but uh so uh ryan actually directed a film called the escapement uh that we, was screened last year and won best director also uh, won best actor with ron yeah taryn fuck yeah, okay yeah. i'll edit that to make it sound better yeah <laughs> do you want to say sounding it out you want to say it again also what no what's his name again ron taryn Tarrant, also including Best Actor Ron Tarrant. <laughs> the power nice. of the edit. Um, so, uh, at any rate, um, yeah, no, uh, you guys, you guys, uh, you guys won big last year, and um, uh, a really good short film. Fucking right, it was um, really good. About mm. an old man trying to escape his his future or his past. We'll yeah. never know. You have to watch the movie. It's well, available online now, right, Ryan? It is. Yeah, they all are um, via my Vimeo page or whatever. Yeah, so if you want, if you guys didn't check out the film festival uh, last year, you guys can actually check it out online. Ryan Hansen's The Escapement, which, uh, yeah, no, man, it's a really, really solid film. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I, I remember you, we were, like, I mean, like, I talked to you while you were still kind of, like, developing it, weren't you? Yeah, I think that's pretty much how we met. In, I'm pretty sure that is how we kind of got into contact. I think I was talking to you via Cody, who I think you've had on the show as well. Yeah, Cody was like, hey, there's this guy named Ryan. He's pretty legit. And so I was like, okay, cool. And so I checked out uh, what you were doing with the escapement. I'm like, hey, cool, man. I assume that's Cody Boundtown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, Ryan, Ryan, put my name on it. Put my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just stick my name at the end there. Yeah. So, so, but uh, suffice to say, no, it's, it's, a really, it's a really solid movie. and, and uh, It screened really well. I, I yeah. remember watching it because I kept doing callbacks to uh, – 
one of the actual first one, or I can't remember, is it the first IFF or the second? The one where the the back in time short. Remember the buddy? I can't remember. He kept finding it, and it oh yeah, yeah, back. the 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 one from uh, it's actually from that London film yeah, school. Yeah. yeah, there was this short uh, Ryan. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but it had to do with like this time. This guy creates a time machine, but it's more of a comedic version of what you did. And essentially, it's like this dude. He's he he's like there's like nine or ten different versions of himself all running around the same all house. running around in a in a half an hour span, uh, trying to trying to close basically a time loop, right? So it's pretty hilarious. But I kept doing the callbacks to that one, and yours just resonated. So like Ron's acting was just, was amazing, and I was actually wanted to ask you like, what got you in touch with him? Um, yeah, we just did auditions. I. I kind of work like I work out of Toronto and then I live in Ottawa but I so I did that one in Ottawa um, and it was actually yeah we so we did casting and, and he came out and you know it was just kind of that was that there was only like a few it was it was really weird I, I auditioned or I, I did the casting call for like you know that age group like this older age group I think it was like 60 plus or 50 plus i can't remember i had on the thing whoever gets a discount at alberts all these people <laughs> came out that were like you know pretty a lot, a lot younger than that role it was it's a pretty hard uh, you know role to cast actually well, that's what i was going to ask you did, short films did you but, have like a good turnout for it like is it is it a common thing like i know uh, i'm not too sure i'm not too sure of ron's background uh ron is like he, I don't know how, like, when it started. I know he has been acting for a while, and he's done some other stuff here, um, you know, in town. That's about it. Not, not too, 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 too many things. Because that's one thing I know with the, a lot of additions that happened up here in, in Fort Mac, where the more specific you try to go for a role, the definitely harder it's going to get, right? Like, I know there's definitely a few of them out there, and, and they're great, like Norm Sutton being one up here for, for an older person yeah, but that's that, really that, into but it, But right? for us, if, like, Norm Sutton is now, like, the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. uh, when, if Ryan has a casting call for an age group, like, <clears throat> he'll have diversity, we'll get, like, Norm Sutton. Right? <laughs> so, but, I mean, that's only because, like, our, our entire city population is probably the population of actors in Ontario. Yeah, again, I, yeah, again, I'm getting mixed up with with the geographic restraints. Right? Not to like, mention, we are skewed towards a younger age. Yeah, we, we totally are. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. Um, it, it went. It screened over really well. Um, I mean, there was no upsets when the award was announced uh, at the night of. No one was like, "That's bullshit." Actually, there was. <laughs> what? Fuck off. Not not for him specifically, but I know the one thing that I believe it was Eric Johnny that laid down the challenge because we had a lot of out of town people. Win awards last year, yeah, and I just uh, it's I don't know Eric John laid, laid down the challenge. It's just like we need to get some more Fort Mac representation to try to uh, up the bar here. Well, so. No one at this table is going to argue with that. No, not at all. Maybe if people actually submitted stuff from Fort Mac, we'd give them awards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work a lot with non-actors, <laughs> like in general, just like anything you do in smaller towns. And the biggest thing that I found that has worked for me, if I get a good performance, or whatever is literally I just I'll put aside like two months in pre-production where I meet that actor like at least like once a week or you know whatever and just work it out however however it works for them like if it's just going over the script and talking it out or if it's actually you know acting it out you know just kind of grind it out and you get what you need beforehand so you do filmmaking for a living right um I edit for a living oh okay so, so you're yeah. still involved with the industry then yeah, animation. 
Oh, hey, cool. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Ryan and I were talking recently about that, and, and uh, you were talking about that. Uh, you're working on an animation now, and I'm like, oh, sweet. So do you, so do you also do sound sync, or, does, or do, they, do they give it the animation to you already sound synced? And he's like, I, I got an assistant for that. I'm like, fucking Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no real syncing, right? Well, I would think that there would be, though, because it's animation, and you kind of like... I mean, you record dialogue before you do the any any animation, right? I assume. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's much more liberal, right? Because yeah. your, your first sound sync goes to, um, like, storyboards, like yeah. as you call them. And so when you're setting up the Leica or whatever, you can actually shift... You can shift audio pretty freely to a degree, because you just kind of have a still image, right? Still image of people with mouths, like, open. That's pretty rad. Yeah. So you just pull that still image... Like if you have if, if the dialogue is going over that image, as long as their mouths are open, then when it gets out of the you know the, the Leica phase and, and the animators have it, mm-hmm. then they just animate the mouth. That's pretty rad, actually. So there's like a lot of room. Well, I guess that goes into the whole the whole story. Like I've seen so many. I've seen so many um, like behind the scenes where like you're doing your voiceovers first, mm-hmm. and you're putting that voice actors movements and, and and mannerisms into the character itself right yeah like uh, that's one thing that I, I think the first time i saw it was uh, I, I can't remember what movie it was one of the older disney ones whether it was like i even think it was lion king where they're like actually trying to put uh, jonathan taylor thomas's mannerisms into a lion Simba? Right? I mean, just, like, disney's done that since the the golden age though i mean well, i imagine so it's i just not can't necessarily find rotoscope but they do film the voice actors in costume uh, and then give in, that in footage the and then give that footage well, and they can draw inspiration from yeah, it. Yeah, apparently to uh, pardon the pun. Snow White in particular was like a famous example of that because they actually like animated around the actress doing the movements and all that stuff. Yeah. It was more because, rotoscopic. Well, I mean, it's interesting animation. because we live in an age now where you could just like, oh, it's the color key function and after effects or whatever. But like back in the day, it's like, yeah, go stand in front of this. We're going to shine a light and we're going to draw an outline around your silhouette. Then you're going to move and then we're going to draw another outline against the next silhouette. And that's how we're going to create the animation uh, uh, a loop. For Did you see those pics of if Frozen was drawn? No. Fuck, they look amazing, man. Like, there's a distinct difference. Like, I think it's... I think Did you see uh, the ones that was... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But the Frozen, if it was done by Tim Burton? No. Oh, it looks so good. They're all, like, gothic-y, and their heads are all giant, and their so, arms are all... I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I, I enjoyed Frozen. I thought it was good. But I think, like... People are fucking fanboying over this movie way too much, yeah. man. Well, no, every okay, second it's, it's like, like wow, wow, wow. I told you were the one before me and Ashley. <laughs> oh, I know, saw I know. It. I was just like, oh my god, Frozen! But I went, I went through it. Like I went, I'm like, okay, yeah, this movie's awesome. Woo, Disney's Disney actually like it's it's harks back to the golden age. Then I got over it, but now it's like. Everyone and their fucking Eddie dog Vedder is singing, obsessed with it. Yeah, that was fucked. You were the original. It's because children. You're like, oh my god, you have to watch this. Oh my god, oh my god, you haven't seen Frozen yet? Holy shit, you have well, to watch Well, I don't know, it. like, being a fucking Disney fan and, and being loving my cartoons and not just getting back into them with Kingston. My, I, I got a six-year-old son, Ryan, named Kingston. Uh, you'll probably hear him running around here, too. But I've watched all of them, like, even before Kingston was born, right? And you go from the transition of, like, The Lion King and fucking Beauty and the Beast Aladdin to these Disney sing-along fucking masterpieces to then you get into don't get me wrong they're great but like the the cars and like the fucking Pixar's that weren't really the sing-along type movies and then all of a sudden bang Frozen comes back and all of a sudden you're getting actual sing-along versions in a theater where you have cast of or the a cast of the movie come out and actually sing their part in front of a crowd like that and karaoke versions on screen mm-hmm. like to me that that thing's why Frozen got so successful because it's harping back to what 
fucking I saw in theater back yeah. in, the, in the mid nineties, yeah. right? So, well, Ryan, you've got a little one, right? Yeah, Disney films never resonated with her. She has like uh, Little Mermaid and I don't know what else she's seen. But then Frozen did, and like I have, like I've listened to that soundtrack more than I <laughs> more, more than anything I've listened to actually. Oh, uh, me too, Frozen. buddy. I'm, I'm thankful he went over to the Lego soundtrack now, so it's got that <laughs> dance remix of everything is awesome. Just yeah. like. Please kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, speaking. Oh yeah, back on track. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of of children's <clears throat> children's uh, movies and children's topics. So your next movie is about a rabbit, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that is we're not a children's film It is. Yeah. The next film we're doing is uh, Forever Rabbit. Um. Do you want to, you want to pitch on this? You want to know what it is? Yeah, yeah. Because well, sell it to me. You you sent me the script and and uh, like I was immediately hooked. But uh, I want to hear you give these guys the pitch. Let, let's hear the pitch, Ryan, because yep. we got so, massive investors in Fort Mac. They're just <laughs> waiting to throw money at you. For sure. So, as long as you aren't shunning the oil sands. <laughs> <laughs> Forever Rabbit um, is the story of a uh, delusional man named Peter, who um, his day job he's a mascot for a flower shop. And he's obsessed with this heroin-addicted girl named Amber, who has, like, no idea he exists. Um, basically, she gets herself in over her head, and Peter, um, you know, has to make a choice of, like, intervening or, you know, remaining in the shadows of this of the stalker kind of figure that he is. And the mask is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and take my money! Are we talking short film? Are we talking feature? Yeah, just a short on this one. Hopefully my last short. There's a feature in, in works that I've been grinding out for years that may may finally see some light. Your maybe. opus? No. But no, that sounds good though. Like uh, I've I've I don't know. That pitch was kind of creepy. I've been digging that. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's like, like when I read when I read the script, and I'm not I'm not going to give anything away, Ryan. So don't worry. But like when I read the script, come on, it was, it 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 was very much. I'm like this is. This this concept is very much like um, like Taxi Driver meets Donnie Darko. It, it, <laughs> like yeah, Frank's yeah, face was yeah. when he said the mask. I pictured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and in the I respect, it's like because Donnie Darko, like take, taking the time traveler aspects of out of Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko has a lot more to do with like the perspective of the individual, how the per, the how uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character sees things versus how they really are. Uh, in my and mind, I totally at least. never yeah, thought yeah, that that yeah. was him. I never really realized. You, you didn't know that was. Put Jake I, in that role? I knew, but I never thought that that was him. Does that make sense? That movie barely makes sense to a lot of viewers. It, it's, it's so it's fucking great. So about it. The movie makes sense. I just didn't realize it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, if I look at the stuff, he, although that music video that he did was pretty messed up. What the Mad like, World one? No, not, not the Mad World one. The um, Time, Time to Dance. Dance. I forget the name of the band now, though. No. Uh, it's a cra- It's a creepy music video where he's a serial killer shoes. who can't dance. That's his whole so thing. He, is he gets so he frustrated by not being able to have rhythm that he kills those who can dance. Yeah. That sounds like a comedy. It's, kind of, <laughs> it's, it's well, it's really hilarious. All over strange. the map. Yeah, and a great song. I like. But it. we digress. Yeah. So, so Ryan, uh, what was your inspiration for uh, for the rabbit story? <laughs> Yeah, so you, you mentioned Taxi Driver is a bit of it, like just kind of playing with that anti-hero, um, but also like kind of the hero archetype for comic books was a big draw for me. There's so many superhero films, as we all know, um, you know, the saturation. Yeah. And uh, if you're breaking down a lot of those characters, I was noticing that you have this like underlying unspoken stalker um, 
you know, persona in so many of them. You know, you're going to go Peter Parker, or even Clark Kent to a degree, and I'm, I'm sure I could keep digging up if I thought about it. Yeah, actually, it's really it's it's interesting because uh, I, I was actually really uh, as recently as this week. I've been listening to a podcast uh, about uh, with Neil Adams, who's a famous comic book. Neil Adams, uh, yeah, uh, uh, comic book artist and writer, right? Yeah, both. What and he, uh, he's he right. Big famous in DC, uh, and then he uh, went off to go he, do his own independent. thing. He did a lot of like DC. a lot of. I uh, thought he's just an artist, like though. ongoing uh, ongoing series like Arrow and all that stuff. Like those were his original like concepts that are being made into TV shows and stuff now. Um, he's. Uh, He's the one who um, fixed the name for the Black um, uh, Green Lantern. Yeah, it was going to be Washington Jefferson or something like that. Yeah, Washington, like a Franklin. slave name, <laughs> like, totally <laughs> terrible. So, and he named him John Stewart. So, so at any rate, uh, in in it, uh, he in the podcast, he talks actually about like how well he's basically talking about because he's worked for both DC and Marvel, and he was actually talking about how broken these characters, uh, superheroes in general, are. And how like uh, how they were originally conceived, like Batman and Superman weren't necessarily like they were well adjusted. Like Batman wasn't really that gritty; he was like a detective, but he wasn't like my parents are dead and all this stuff, right? <laughs> and and Superman was really happy go lucky about his powers. But then Marvel came around, and they were like, yeah, so Giant Man is like uh, he, he's he, you know he he commits murder, and Peter Parker like he doesn't even become good until his uncle dies. He's like really like. Uh, He's really like egocentric up until that point, right? And like and Max Landis calls him a bully. Yeah, yeah, he really yeah. is. Yeah, and 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 you've even got uh, people like even Tony Stark, right? Tony Stark's like a drunk, and he's he's like an industrialist. In fact, like the, the Iron Man was and, and Iron Man was created un, uh, under a bet that Stanley couldn't make a likable businessman because at the time it was like the 1960s. <laughs> so like yuppies were kind of like totally like oh yuppie, you don't want to be a yuppie, you don't want to be a madman or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Madison Avenue style. Uh, even uh, oh, what was I going to say? That what it was? It was actually Iron Man was actually a bet or no? Yeah, yeah. Really? It's, yeah. They, I mean, uh, to those who don't, well, who haven't read the comics but are familiar with the superhero movies, like there's the Captain America line, right? You're not the guy to make the sacrifice play. You fight for yourself. Like that yeah. totally is that Tony Stark character. And I mean, <laughs> without Robert Downey Jr. in that role, honestly, he's so egotistical. How do you like him? You need the super charm. Yeah. So, so the idea <laughs> is that, but but, but what's it's it's interesting because like you get into that whole idea that like suddenly they put on a mask or they change their clothes or whatever. And we forget that for a moment and they suddenly do – like they have this moment and they're more remembered for their iconic actions than who they are underneath. It's not who I am. Well, it's, not, yeah. it's not who I am underneath. It's what I do that defines me. Right? Well, yeah, yeah. But like it, it's interesting because like uh, like uh, it, those themes like are explored but like we always we, – we lionize them. When really, like, if you look at a movie like Taxi Driver, like, Travis Bickle does that. He, like, shaves his head yeah. and he's like, I'm yeah. going to kill this senator. I'm going to change the world. And it's like, this guy's kind of sick. I haven't watched Taxi Driver in so long, man. It's on my list tonight. <clears throat> Fuck, sorry. It's, um, it's exactly, it, it is that. And, it, and like, I'm, I'm more grounded in, uh, in a reality as opposed to, like, the fantasy-esque elements of a comic book film. And so I just kind of took that, you know, masked figure or whatever and put it into someone who, you know, suffers from, like, agoraphobia, and it's, like, this, like, suit of... It, it, like, the rabbit suit is, like, a suit of armor in the script um, for him, right? In, in a sense of away from people, like a shield. Right. Uh, but, you know, you present him first as a stalker, so everyone, your viewing audience, are, you know, uh, appalled or turned off or whatever you want to say. And then as the script goes on, it's, like, once he's in a position 
position to make a heroic choice. It's like, and he chooses one, which I, <laughs> he he chooses one, and anyways, <laughs> um, you know, then it, it's a matter of them like rethinking the image of kind of superheroes in general. I think, and it, and it's just because of how they're presented, right? You, you present Batman, and he's a hero, but then if you broke down certain elements of him. <laughs> when he's like you know obsessively tracking someone down who has no idea that he that they are it's the like Hans Zimmerman stopped. man it's the score that yeah. makes them heroes <laughs> so, <laughs> so make sure you have a good score for your movie well, I wanted to ask Ryan have you seen oh, that's uh, one thing I'm good for you're reminding me uh, a little bit of a couple movies have you seen uh, Defendor and or Super both independent I movies seen both of those yes I have you have oh man yeah, you're reminding me a lot of those and I, I dig those so much because it uh, straddles that line between the fantastical superhero and uh, people with real life problems <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, and Peter in the script is by no means in the Defendor or Superway. He doesn't feel he's a hero. It's not like he's not. There's, there's not he's a delusion. Not a hero. Yeah. No, I, it, 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 and that I guess that's the uh, the the crux of it is your character is actually motivated with like his motivation is really like self serving because yeah. he he's really obsessed with this woman, right? Yeah, and that's the taxi driver. Right? That's your uh, what's her face, Civil Shepherd. Yeah. Well, you definitely got me curious now. The uh, good pitch. <laughs> the uh, I was it's, just gonna. Just we'll pay you. Taxi driver with a dude in a rabbit suit. <laughs> yeah. That that kind of that should be the tagline on the on the poster. <laughs> well, no, I was gonna ask you uh, as a filmmaker in probably well not probably the probably as close to well uh, between Toronto and Vancouver, it's about as close to quote unquote Hollywood as you'll get in Canada. Uh, how are you on the funding front? Like, that's one of the things that I find we struggle with up here. So just kind of... Um, do yeah. you have any money is what I'm asking. Can you pay us? <laughs> so I've had I've had some luck in my earlier... Uh, my first two films were Arts Council-based and the National Screening Institute, which is Winnipeg, so it's not too far from this. But, uh, so those were funded. And then after that, it's been a bit more of the independent way. It's only because, like... It just depends on the content, right? Yeah. So I went after grants with Forever Rabbit, but you know, when I was talking to the producer, I was like, "We're not getting the government's not going to give us money for a stalker rabbit script." I don't think, <laughs> and they didn't. <laughs> so, you know, most, of it, most of it now, if if you want to do something that in Canada, I think if you want to do something that people are going to be interested in, you need to kind of go to an independent source, or you know, you can make films cheaper, but you know that I mean we're, for this one we are going like Indiegogo which will launch soon um, you know you, you just got to I think for the most part it's tricky well it's, it's interesting because uh, there was an interesting article I don't know if it was you that posted it Ryan but it had to do with the CBC and, and how they, they had a 10 million dollar budget <clears throat> to fund like independent pro, or like independent individual programming right and the assumption was that that, that 10 million dollars was going to go into try to create pilots for new shows or whatever Eight million of it went into creating the Corner Gas movie, which Ugh. is in production now, and it's like a Christmas special. Yeah, Corner Gas Christmas Jesus. bullshit. Yeah, and, and, but but the thing is, like for for CBC, that's a sure thing. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's gonna get. And, and and from what from what I was reading, it's like CBC's biggest concern is what if we give this money and the project doesn't get done. And yeah. that's the biggest concern from a financial. It's like they're not. We don't care if it's good. We just want it to get Done. finished and be able to show it. Right? Yeah. It's a good benchmark to well, have. You know, that's the that's the thing in Canada, right? If you're anywhere other than Quebec, every, like all the telephone money that's going around, like they they are pretty sure they're not going to make that money back every time. Like they're not. 
Yeah. If you're making an English-speaking film in Canada, there's no market. And a lot of... And they, and, pe- and people will grant towards that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people will be like, here's... It's safe and there's and no accountability too. There's no like you have to deliver. Like the worst, like the worst, sla- the worst uh, offenders that they'll just take the money and don't won't make a film. The worst thing that the Canadian government really does is like, well, we won't give him money in the future. You're blacklisted. Yeah, you're blacklisted from future Enjoy funding. Mexico. Well, that's one of the things too that I, like uh, my, I don't know if you know this, Ryan, but myself and Tito sit on the Arts Council in in Wood Buffalo, mm-hmm. and and we're just getting into very uh, low level minor uh, granting stuff for certain disciplines. Definitely not anything of any kind of wide range, uh, and that's one thing when we start writing guidelines for it. That's one thing I want to be very hard up on is there needs to be a we'll give you this money we need to see something yeah like, but what what do you do yeah, if you don't the arts, the arts council i don't know exactly how it works but i had to send in a report plus the film yeah but it, 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 of course you do right like it's expected of you but if you don't ryan what what happens to you if you don't blacklisted I'm you don't, not sure. you, don't yeah. you don't get it again but I you're right you already escaped with that money i'm not really certain yeah the, the reason i know this is because i know a couple of filmmakers <laughs> in edmonton that got away with it like scot free and and the wow. worst part about it, the worst part about it in my mind was, um, and I'm not going to name any names. This like I feel like now I'm I'm in a Senate hearing, but <laughs> so give us the names. Um, so you're like Dana Scully defending Mulder. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they call him Spooky. No. Um, so uh, at, at the end at the end of the day, what happened was a lot of like talent, like actors who had volunteered time with the promise of money coming after the fact, got burned. And and it was really like a bad scene. And that, I mean, as much as I hate to sound like a cheerleader, but that just doesn't help the community, right? No. That doesn't help the community of filmmakers yeah. and artists. That's one of the one of my latest Facebook fights has actually been surrounding the greater good. You know what I mean? Like you can piss and moan about your own personal fucking problems all you want. But if a decision you're making is going to affect the greater good, then it's wrong. It, it doesn't matter what your issue is. It doesn't matter what's at stake. It's wrong, and and that's what I've always found. Like, and it's and it's like you might not be culpable, yeah. but it doesn't make it right. No, exactly, yeah. and that's exactly it. Right? Well, you're you're talking about uh, you're you're you you might be t- biting off a bit more than you can chew in the sense that like you're you're thinking about like you're essentially saying that like and and I know this is a bad analogy, but it's like being Batman is wrong because he's he's helping a, a problem that's hel- uh, that's happening right now, but he's not doing it for the greater good of the city. It's like you know what I mean, like him. Him, ta- him, him going to war with the mob resulted in the Joker existing, right? Well, there's always going to be a fa- oh, fuck. What does uh, Alfred call it? There's always going to be that uh, escalation. Uh, yeah, but there's always going to be that mysterious element or that mysterious fucking factor, that variant that you're not going to be aware of, right? But I would definitely disagree with you on that part. Logic. Where Batman was 100 percent for the greater good, where he was willing to sacrifice. No, but that's because you know you're 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 the watcher of the narrative. Think about the people like the mayor of the city or whatever. Like they don't know who Batman is. They don't know his. So like, Motive. how are? Yeah, they don't know the f- motives. And we we trust as the audience. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. is actually interesting because okay, it circles back to Ryan's film. It's we like the the cool thing about what I feel about is uh, about Ryan's narrative is that that's the big guess is um, is, this is he doing it for the greater good? Well. He he ended up doing a good thing. Or I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not trying to spoil your film, Ryan. <laughs> okay, but okay. like. Something good happens, but was was the motivations uh, were they in the right place? And yeah. and what is the you know? Do the ends justify the means? Well, exactly. Or do the motives even justify the actions? Yeah. Right. So, shit. 
That's a good point. Yeah, it's like it, it'd be like Batman saved Gotham City, but also he molests children on the side. Or like, <laughs> We're willing oh. to accept that as long as he's saving Gotham on the reg. Right. Or even, oh, like, that's Superman, an extreme point. Superman killed Zod, but he destroyed Metropolis in the meantime. Yeah. Ryan, just so you know, we, we, we go off on oh, superhero tangents. Yeah, right. We're so off topic, man. But yeah, actually, I watched Man of Steel again this morning with Kingston. That's what's coming up. This is my this is my superhero film. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I watched Man of Steel again this morning, and Kingston just happened to be watching it uh, with me, and uh, it was rather interesting when he was just to get his kind of capture because at first he wasn't really into it with the whole fucking uh, Krypton stuff. Yeah, that's that's and a hard he, sell for a kid at the beginning. Once of that he got movie. changed, like once he hit that suit in the in the polar bear yeah. fucking scene, there he got into it. And then right at the end, he said those classic words. He's like, man, they're wrecking everything. What? That's what your son said? Fucking quote, unquote. And I meant to tweet it out or put it on Facebook. Because I was fucking priceless everything. They're wrecking everything, right? Yeah. I was Goyer, just like, I fucking, but again, watch it. Close from my five-year-old. <laughs> Man, they're Well, because everything. they destroyed fucking Smallville, and then they destroyed I know, hey. Metropolis, right? But again, after watching that, and I know we did the fucking podcast That's, on it, but I reaffirmed that that was on purpose. That destruction had to have been on purpose. Oh, it, it's definitely it's a setup. So for, it's, it's, it's a setup, but it's my issue is, is I can accept the destruction of Metropolis without the destruction of Smallville. Because... In my opinion, like Superman as a brand new superhero just put on the suit for the first time, just accepted his destiny, uh, just accepted that he is a, this benevolent being with superpowers who is you know above all bad and, and needs to do the right thing. I can only accept that he will allow collateral damage one time because then he learns his lesson. But it's twice in that movie and that's what Well, yeah, and, and the worst part is the first piece of collateral damage is they destroy an entire cornfield in a silo because he gets pissed off because uh, Zod mom. threatened his mom. Yeah. So so okay, oh, I get on, it. Wouldn't way you? to uh, way to start doing your cinephiles on Man of Steel. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I just had to get it out there because I was just listening to Max Landis and, and Neil yeah. Adams. And do you that. do you uh, listen to anything from Max Landis, Ryan? <laughs> I thought you were going to say us. But I'm quite interested now. <laughs> you, you look him up on YouTube. He's actually John Landis's son, and, oh, and really? yeah, yeah, and he's a bit like snarky. Like he's he's very he's got Enjoyably, this very though. he's this very cocky guy. But if you ever want to know how to do a film pitch. Like watch him because this guy he wrote um, Chronicle. Okay. Yeah, and 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 that was good. and, and my understanding of it is amazing. Right. He's in that. he's apparently really like good at doing film pitches. Like when when he's in a room, he's apparently that's how he makes his living. He does like pitches. Someone else will write the movie, but he will get paid a commission for the film pitch. Yeah, yeah there's people out there that do that. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Mays here. Yeah, well, he, that's what he is. He's like the idea guy, right? It's yeah. like this is a really great idea. Like uh, he was actually talking about how uh, his 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 idea of Justice League, like his follow up to Man of Steel, because he really didn't like Man of Steel, and he goes into it at length. But he talks about like uh, his his version of Justice League is kind of like the opening to Avengers. You know how uh, the original opening to Avengers is like Maria Hill overlooking the city, destruction. Talking of New York. bad about fucking, so it's like uh, it's like Fury, Metropolis yeah. and it's all fucked up or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And the camera pans out, right? And then, and, and you see like you see the Green Lantern's ring uh, lying on the ground, and the Flash's suit is torn up, and you even see like uh, Wonder Woman's lasso, and it's broken, right? And everyone's and, like the movie literally starts where everyone on the news, like the news, it's like fuck Superman, right? And you find out through the course of the movie is that like they turn him. Superman gets used as a tool of the enemy, oh, wow. and that's what the the first movie is supposed to be about is like the entire Justice League versus Superman. So anyway. 
We're, we're getting off on a tangent. Oh, fuck. This is, we haven't, Ryan, we apologize. We haven't podcasted in a while either. So, yeah. so, so Ryan, when, when do you hope to get this? I mean, you, you said that you wanted to start up a Kickstarter. So when is that going to be available? Or uh, yes, Indiegogo? Indiegogo campaign um, will launch this week. Um, I'm just cutting up a video of myself, which is awkward. Awkward, awkward. But, <laughs> Literally um, just film, just cutting it up and crying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, everything else is ready to go. We're just gotta wait for the, we're just launching the video, and then um, eventually after that, we're gonna uh, trickle out some more videos from the art director, um, producer, uh, an actor, maybe both actors, or like who the one who plays Peter and the one who plays Amber. Um, well, so you already have your cast chosen, then, hey? Oh yeah, we're good to go. We shoot in August. Rad, man, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. So, are you shooting with or without Indiegogo funds? Um, or is it like a promise kind of I mean, based? If we don't get hit, if we if we launch and we don't hit the target, we can probably still suffice. I just got to make uh, you know on the fly changes. <laughs> well, well, hang kid, on, kid how, just won't eat for a week. It's well, fine. hang on, how much how much are you asking for, Ryan? Three thousand this time. Oh, that's not so just bad. Too bad. No. Oh my God, come on, people in Fort Murray, uh, if it, go watch the escapement. Seriously, three thousand dollars, like it, 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 the, with the quality of the work that this guy does. You you want to put your name on this? You want to thank Seriously, you? Seriously though, if a dude can make nine grand to make a potato uh, salad, pretty you, sure you can make that. three for don't a movie. I've been ranting about this. Right, what about okay, the potato guys. salad guy? Okay, hold on, <laughs> so, can, can someone show me potato salad? So, <laughs> someone tell me this full story. I'm getting bits and pieces. So a guy forty grand is what I heard, but give me bits and pieces no, of what happened. So what happened was some dude as a joke on Kickstarter. Put uh, like I want. I, I, I'm really craving potato salad. I need ten dollars. I need ten dollars for potato salad. And I guess people just well, like. And it was hipsters and those who uh, love the absurd. Yeah, they thought it was ridiculous. So people would be like throwing one dollar, one dollar, one dollar. And so many people threw in that by like by the. I, I think he ended up raising like five thousand no, dollars. What were his forty-three thousand dollars? Fuck off! Yeah, yes. <laughs> What's his reward level? <laughs> you can have some. Some, <laughs> well, well, some of them are a bite having- of it. No, yeah. he's having a potato salad party now. Yeah, he's, he he's using the money the to buy as much potato salad he says as possible to 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 like feed a bunch of people. Why I fucking I, I got it. I'll be back. This I, is why I hate the fucking internet because there's like people on Indiegogo with like, please save my child with his brain surgery, <laughs> but and it's fucking it's potato fucking salad. It's the very same thing that John uh, Oliver said about net neutrality. Though the reason that nobody's up in arms about it is because it's so boring. It's got to be entertaining for us to love it and potato salad I guess is the absurdity of somebody asking for money to make himself a potato salad on the internet is just enough entertainment for us to actually go yeah we like that like I get it haha funny it's just as a fucking like part of Anybody, what we could do with 43 fucking thousand dollars for their dream is just unfucking like, <laughs> real but it's that X factor. You can't. It's something you can't predict. That guy. I bet you he thought he was like gonna be a 18, hard sell to make thirty five dollars. There's like eighteen people who now have like gonna make gonna get my girlfriend to make me a sandwich. Kickstarters and stuff now. Like it's yeah. It's it's a trend. Yeah, it's getting crazy. Fuck. But no. Like and a few of them will fly, but like, most of them will fail now. And that's what's like. Uh, be on, like honestly, Ryan. Like, do you think three thousand is is easily obtainable, or is it going to be a chore? Or? Did I lose you, Ryan? Um, to hit three thousand, I no, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I, we got you. Okay, cool. Um, it, it'll be 
tough. I think it's possible. Um, our perks are pretty solid this time, better than the escapement. Um, I learned a little bit from from that film. Well, I, I would like, say that, like, you know what? I've seen, I think the biggest failure I've seen on Indiegogo or any Kickstarter is they always ask too much I, uh, for the scope of the film. I do have a yeah. question, though, Ryan. Um, are you making it so that you don't get the funds unless you make the full amount, or is it a flex plan? No, it's it has flex. And it, okay. the reason I'm on flex is because it's like if if it doesn't happen, I can probably bend the script enough to like basically it's getting shot in toronto because i want that kind of gritty city mm-hmm. you know it, it, that, that if you're going to do superhero film um you know you want that bigger city you want that you want those dark alleyways and whatnot i hear you man <laughs> um and then if not you know it's like the film instead of being shot in like four days you know over like two weekends or straight which we're still kind of flexing out it'll be shot over for like three months or something you know what i mean What's and, the runtime on it? Uh, it'll sit around ten minutes. Should be well, it's it's what twelve pages right now. Uh, should be ten. Let me crack that open and tell you. But it should be ten. Okay, well, ten. Yeah, ten pages. That's a goal. No, that's 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 uh, that's solid, man. I like, but I, like I was saying, I mean, a, a lot of people like they'll ask. It's like, oh yeah, we can get we uh, we want to get this short film made for twenty five thousand dollars. It's like, do you really need twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> for a short film? And you know, it. it, 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 it but it I, I've depends. seen. Go ahead. I mean, here's the thing, right? It's like um, the ideal number for a short film for me, in my opinion, is about ten thousand. Yeah, I think I think that's that's like you can actually pay people and you can have a, a high quality, set. high caliber fucking production. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, I'm pulling a lot of favors, and a lot of people are doing this for free, which is really great. Um, but like, I don't know how it is for you guys. I guess you guys are smaller communities to so probably type, but yeah, I gotta go have my money bath when I get home. <laughs> well, no, that's what I was just gonna say. Like, I think the benefit of the four of us sitting around this table right now is because the four of us share the same passion. So, in order to see the passion come to life, the four of us are willing to do whatever we can do to make it come to life. Is that fair to say, guys, or what? I would say so. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't really understand or, <laughs> the money aspect of it. But or is that actually gonna be like, uh, what you guys? Are, <laughs> you guys what do you guys it? like this shit? To quote, to quote Zangief in this in the short-lived Street Fighter movie. You guys got paid? <laughs> no, but... um, Festivals uh, are overlooked, right? So that's the thing. And as I'm saying, as I can shoot it over, like, if, if we don't hit, like, um, I think if we hit 2,000, we can probably do it comfortably, and I can just feed people out of pocket and, you know, take some losses in production money or whatever, and, you know, whatever. You end up, you know, charging it and paying it off or whatever. But where what it is is, like, festivals are a huge hit too, right? Yeah. So when you get into that side of it the thing is if i'm not really accounting for that in the indiegogo money so what you can do there it, it, or what i'll be doing is just like bleeding it out over time right so it's like oh, i'll take 50 bucks as if and i just won't you know go out and have pictures with friends or whatever you just make sacrifices and but ten thousand is the ideal i think because then you can actually pay people and you get these people working for free all the time i feel terrible every time i do a film and someone's working for free i'm like man i'm, I'm a piece of shit you kind of forget <laughs> about the festival run when it comes to budgeting i know yeah. i do well you know i mean because I mean? what are we at a cover now a we, lot <laughs> yeah well it's interesting because the last workshop we did on film festivals was like i because i was the speaker for it and we, i was talking specifically about like take what your budget is cut it in half that the one half is your pre-production, one half is your post-production, and you have to account for uh, festivals and all that stuff because really it's one thing to get into a fe- film festival, right? But what you really want to do is 
if you get into a film festival that you feel is going to be really great for networking, you want to have the funds to go and network because yeah, the idea is to, to go to the next level of your of your craft, right? Get in connection with other for, filmmakers and talent, and maybe for even filmmakers out there. You can you can get a grant for that. And yeah, I'll give it to you. Two grand from Two grand. Uh, for us. I believe it's Canada. Canada Arts Council. It might be Ontario, but I'm pretty sure it's Canadian Arts Council. Ooh. CAC. I know um, Fort Mac and it's You do it once. You can do it once per film. Uh, I know. So you can just save it. Yeah, like Fort Mac had a specific one where where they and it was actually kind of a neat gig. Which oddly enough, they just kind of kiboshed that grant, but they incorporated it into something different. Was international competition, and it, they split it up between recreation, sports, and arts and culture. The difference being, like, you take your sports team to compete at a uh, provincial or federal or even international level. The, they'll give you some money to go with that and, and compete, right? So then they also had the culture aspect of it where it's like you can do your... Uh, the example I got was uh, Ukrainian dancing. But I always thought that may have been a sport, but I guess that's kind of a, a, an art thing too because when we tried to apply it to a film, it's never been done before. And it, it was we had to sell it a bit more to try to get their heads around uh, a film being accepted in the International Film Festival is an international competition. And and Tito's bang on the money where it, it benefits the, the filmmaker well, I mean, to uh, go to these things. Like to network, the thing is, right? otherwise you're just sending it to film festivals and it's all self-serving. I mean, it makes the film look great, mm. but where how do you how do you get to that next level? And like, I mean, and and, and Ryan, I don't want to speak to you or whatever, but the the idea, a lot a lot of the idea of uh, any craft, give it film or music or whatever, is with every project you take on, everything you do, you're trying to improve your skills to. To make the next project that much better, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, for sure. And the thing is, is like my first film was my best success festival was, um, like it crushed festivals. And you know, we, and you know, it had like it got sold to the CBC. It was a bit of a different time for short films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bit of a different time. How this? long ago was it? Years, years ago, or what? It was only two thousand nine. But everything's changed so much since then, right? It, it's been huge. That's actually like probably right before the digital boom happened. The Red One and DSLRs, and I still I shot that one on film. And you know, so festivals were a bit different, but um, and there were people. You know, the, the, it, short films had a world. Now the, the internet's kind of like the world for short films. So therefore, you know, you're losing a lot of opportunities in the sense of like sales are a lot trickier. There's an oversaturation issue. Yeah, I mean, even uh, even even uh, even like popular movies. Like they're saying now that theaters. Aren't aren't where Oscar movies will go now? The, yeah. And the reason is because to do a theater run and everything, it, it, it's it's become so expensive at the point that it, only the blockbusters can really survive in that market. So what's happening is movies that would be Oscar movies, either they redefine what an Oscar movie should be, and it'll be like usually grand spectacle movies will become like Oscar nominated movies at this oh point. Oh my god! Or Transformers. Well, yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, like, it'll it'll get a nomination for best visual effects, probably, right? And, yeah, but yeah. but it, but and the other thing is all the the Oscar movies that actually have like these really talented actors, etc., or the best of the best, they'll become like red box movies. Well, mm-hmm. and and that's I, I've said it ever since we started doing film events four years ago. There is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that compares. To watching a movie on your computer screen or your phone or your, even your TV, yeah, but you're like get into a theater with a group of people. Well, it doesn't compare. Yeah, but you're talking about the spectacle movie. 
Like it's not any as movie. If, no, it's not like there's some movies that you just kind of want to enjoy. Like I mean, um, D- it, dude, I've watched Escapement for last year's selections on, on my on, screen. Hold on, hold on. You can't take look. Okay, P.T. Anderson's films are slowly shrinking in audience. That's a good example. Yeah. So imagine if you if there if uh, there will be blood if you couldn't have seen it in theaters. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, that it would. It's not great to see those movies in theater. I'm just saying that what Todd is referring to is enjoying a movie as a spectacle with a group of friends. Like I, oh no, no, oh, don't okay. get me. I'm, like I'm, I'm, I saw the Grand Budapest Hotel in a theater by myself because, like, when it was in theater, it was in a theater run. I was in Toronto when 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 it came out, and. I'm, I, I like it was weekend. It released. It was a limited release. Yeah. I'm in the theater. There were maybe yeah. like five other people in the theater, and I'm like, this movie's yeah, gonna be here like one weekend, and then it's gonna be gone. But no, like, and that's Toronto. I was talking. I just recently talked to someone about that today. How um, I lent them Grand Budapest, and I was like, I was talking about the kind of the death of the film industry, or at least the side of it that I care to be a part of, and how what's happening bothers me so much. Well, like I, I know what you're getting at too, because I've been a big proponent of that too. Like the midnight releases, which is slow, which is another. Dying. But again, spectacle films. No, but the, you're right. It doesn't that have has, to be a spectacle film. Though. But no, but I you're mean, like I've I've noticed comparing it to by doing these selection stuff, and then what? So watching it on fucking my computer screen, where I'm I'm not quite grasping the full thing, and then watching it again on the big screen when we actually have our film festivals, it's night and day. Yeah, but you're you're. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd make the argument that you're more feeding off of the energy of the crowd than the actual film itself. Yeah, could be, but no. Fuck you, <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's a Films bad thing. Films are meant to be seen. I'm just yeah. saying that th- that uh, that like what was considered or what is considered art house cinema, it's it's place in cinemas is it's it's dying. It's it, like in the next probably ten years. It'll probably be like, but I don't think it's dying due to the I, lack of interest. I think it's dying due to uh, it. No, it's money, not lack of interest. Right? It's due, lack of revenue. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. theaters can't put butts yeah, in seats no, for it. That's okay. We're on the same page there. Because it's too expensive I, to go to the theater. Well, you're right <laughs> about that. There will be a film revolution. You will have a, you'll have a 1970s, 60s American filmmaking revolution. Porn Again. in the movie theaters. We got to bring it back. <laughs> That'll get people out. It's gonna. It'll happen. Will it? Well, I love that in Back Literally. to the Future, in the first Back to the Future, like one of the big things is the fact that the movie theater is a porn theater yeah. in 1985. And it's just like, it's so, it dates the movie. Like, I mean, the movie is beautifully dated in the 80s because it was shot in the 80s. Yeah. But like, that's one thing that they, it's a norm for them that we're just like, wow, that's so weird. Did you see that fucking post that was going around where it's like the biggest Easter egg in Back to the Future that you never knew? And it was that fucking one, the one pine, the one pine tree mall gag? Yeah, yeah. Everyone fucking knew that. Did 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 they not? Like I, I caught it when it happened. I caught it when it happened too. Like I thought. It, I don't know. I was just shocked when I think all people in our circle of friends. Well, no, maybe like, you know. This blew my no, mind. No, you know what it is. You know what it is. And and more of this shit is going to happen as we get older. It's the the Y two K babies. They're now at that age where they're starting to watch these classics, right? And they're like, this movie's so awesome. And then they're realizing well, the stuff that we realized We watched it up. without the internet around. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so now so people are just like, oh my god, did you see? You know? Yes, I saw when I originally saw the fucking movie. When I had my eyes open, because that's what you do when you're watching a movie. <laughs> Man, you guys are so old. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> so, um... In your youth. So your, your campaign launches this week. Um, yep. What uh, can you can you can you let us in on what the the reward levels are going to be? Yeah, so I think it goes ten to a thousand. I think we went and there's like a bunch in between there. 
um, with a thousand. We're actually giving away the rabbit suits. There's only two slots, so one will be somewhat blood covered, maybe. <laughs> um, and but in there, in the lower tiers, um, there's cool stuff in there. Um, there's a twelve by twelve uh, canvas print option um, where we'll send you out like a like a series of pictures, say like eight or ten pictures or whatever, however many good ones we have, and you kind of just pick one. And then we'll send it off and get you like a twelve by twelve canvas print, um, like of stills or behind the scenes. Uh, whatever you want. Well, I'll probably give a variety. It's like of my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Just a series of dick pics. Yeah. Cast your dick choice. pics. Some of them dressed up like rabbits. <laughs> Bloody um, rabbits. I put lightning bolts on my and then uh, there will be t-shirts with the design that um, you saw, Tito. Yeah, yeah, the the rabbit in the city? Yep. Cool. Um, there's uh, photo books um, that will be coming out in there that will have the list of um, the two top tiers of producers. And then in there there will be all like behind the scenes and like just set photos. Rad, man. Is um, an ultimate goal with this film, uh, Ryan, to sell it or try to make some money off it or just kind of no, create no. it? Yeah, it's... There's a few things. I actually feel there's a few things. I guess for me, this film is hopefully like uh, sending ascending me off, and I can do a feature. That's kind of the goal. I am getting on in age and need to kind of like. So I don't know. I really, I really want to make a damn feature. So that's kind of the focus. Um, so then, part of the writing of this script um, and the archetyping of like the loser kind of archetype and other things there's certain things in there that i work with a lot in my in my feature scripts that i have never done in my shorts because my shorts i find them i'm I'm not the best short uh film writer in the sense of making it stick to my the authorship of like kind of yeah like sticking to the the just go 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 like get to the point get to the point get to the point type stuff yeah so there's a lot more like i just kind of use them as experimenting tools a lot of the time so this is kind of the closest film that i've made that's uh that speaks to how you know i i picture myself as a director and writer um and then what the hell is the question where am i going with this uh no Uh, i was just gonna say what's the ultimate goal with this one like sell your film or just yeah so it'll be another festival run and then hopefully there's two options that i'm hoping happen obviously the feature film stuff and i can kind of just it'll be a nice segue into the script that uh, i have written as a feature there's some some tie-ins and then the other side of it would be i think it might have some life on the internet that might create buzz so if there's enough buzz that gets created i kind of have ideas of where the story could keep going in my head too. I've so been, if there's enough people kind of wanting more, I've been I digging that more and more with 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 young filmmakers and, and the creating like the the whole universe thing, right? Like I know they're just gags, but like the, the the kind of films that we've done in the past where we always do a nod to something we previously done. Like I, I've I don't know to me that thanks, I've always uh, dug that so much, and just what you said like to me makes a, a story more complete, and it always makes you want more as well, right? Yeah, and this story, I mean, it end, it ends nicely for a short film, but I have ideas of how it could keep going if, if there is that demand. And now that I'm I have ideas anime, to make this dark. And, and the and now that I'm working in animation too, I kind of have ideas of like I could even do like an animated chunk, the next piece or whatever. That's rad, man. Yeah, that's really sweet. Well, I'll tell you one thing, man. Film fear is October. <laughs> oh shit! Did I just out that? <laughs> now they do. That's yeah, get it done by October. 
it should be hopefully hopefully depends on how how heavy my plate gets i guess for editing because i'll be cutting this film these are the things you sacrifice right cool man uh, no I'm, I'm excited I'm, I'm i'm glad that you're you're still making movies and that uh that you're i think i think it's a solid campaign strategy honestly yeah, and there's like, I think I think so. It's just a matter of it reaching the right people, and you know, not potato salad. <laughs> cool. All right, so um, it's so Michael Bay Magic Hour. You should start a Kickstarter to do a documentary about the potato salad guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that would work. That would, would actually work. would work. It would work right now. It wouldn't work in That's like two gross. months. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate how the turnaround time on internet fame stuff is so like it's, the, it's month to month. I actually just saw, and it blew my mind. I saw a breakdown of 2014 so far. It was just like the thing of the month that was the biggest thing, and I'm like, holy shit! It's right. We live month to month. One thing is the most important thing in the world in one month, and, and I don't think it's been quite figured out for July yet. I think that's what's happened to art house film, personally, because all your blockbuster films are that are that craze that then fade and no one cares, right? But oh, that's yeah. okay because they made their money. But that's how they make were, their money. Yeah, yeah but it, it makes me sad because films, right, they were meant to like it was meant to. It's like a like a glass of scotch, you know. It's meant to wait and take its time, and you drink it slowly, and you take it in. But people don't want that anymore. So, well, especially not it's investors. True. Yeah. So. Well, it it, it, it makes me they a little bit sad because uh, films no longer have that value, and or uh, I, I'm well, I'll say that there's still films that that strive for that. But like, there's film. Most films now, like they don't have that that subtext that when you watch it over again, there's those themes that you're like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't watch it that way this uh, before, mm-hmm. and now I'm realizing more, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I really, I really, uh, one one really like ignored hit was uh, the Master. That movie Gizmo, is shut the, the fuck up. I love the Master. What? I love the Master. It, I think you and I were talking about it, and it's so. so what is it? The Master. It, it, it's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's last uh, great yes, 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 performance, yes, yes. and it, it's, I've never seen it, but I remember you talking about it. Yeah, oh, it's such a great movie, and and you're like, there's so many themes there that I I'm still like having a time comprehending the movie. I can but, tell you right now, without even having seen it, it's it's because it's character driven, not plot driven. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Plot driven, you watch once and you know it. And you might be able to see Easter eggs that are hidden into the shots and maybe mm-hmm. sound effects that are, you know, you might notice a few things you didn't notice the first time. But character-driven plot, whether, no matter the medium, uh, it's, it merits rewatching because not only will you guarantee to just, the fact that you finished it the first time and you rewatch it again, it will color your second viewing. But it also depends on what mind state you're in. You know, your own personal character, which your changes mood, yeah. and develops and is fluid your entire life, will color how you experience things. And if it's a character... Um, based plot then you can completely get like you can understand the motivations of a character that you just did not understand by watching it a couple years later just because of something you've experienced in your life it's that's why yeah. it's so much more important it, i think it's so true it's, film should be like a good book right and that's it's like film should be a p something that you hold so dear i think and and, and there are still films like like pt anderson's a great example who still makes films like that but a film should be something that you hold so dear that if you meet someone and you're like hey I'm a huge fan of the master, and they're like, "Oh, I haven't seen it, or I don't like it." I haven't then, seen it; it's questionable where you go. But if they say I don't like it, that it actually like can sever your relationship. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I've never been there. No you don't like that movie? You Fuck you. Yeah. What you just described was That's what it should be was significant other for me. With <laughs> oh, the album, okay. that was 
that was the exact reason. I oh, think, what a piece of shit! Fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! That's their best album. But that no, is, like to me, if I, oh, I'm not denying it was their. Well, no, best no, no, no. If I heard that as to me at a different time in my life, Limp I would not have dug it as, or I would not have such an impact. So, Ryan, in like case that. you're out of the loop, we're talking about Limp Biscuits, significant <laughs> other. Okay. Well, no, I've always Which is their I, I've second been, and best album. I've always tried to to put into words my love for Limp Biscuit. And I shouldn't just say it's significant other. It was significant other chocolate starfish results are very. It was that three, that chocolate starfish was the one. Well, that that, that hit it home for me, and it was strictly because the fucking time I was living. It. And I've always <laughs> just tried to put it into words, and you just did. So. I still remember remember the time when I realized what chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water meant. <laughs> it's just like a. <laughs> You know, as far as I'm it's concerned, Limp, Limp Biscuit is on the same level as before four. What? They came, they did their thing, and then life okay. moved on somehow. But, well, actually, funny that you mentioned that because before four, two of the members, the actual sons of Rafi, are uh, very successful independent musicians right now. Are they Doing really? what? <laughs> Touring. Selling albums. Before two? Or? <laughs> no, no, they've got a uh, different name. Yeah, that's true. Exactly, <laughs> um, but no, I mean you can't you can't compare you can't compare a one hit wonder to Limp Bizkit. It was a tour de force, whether you liked it or not. It was it was a voice of an era, I guess. <laughs> it was a very small bleep in the music. Honestly, spectrum. yeah. Thank you. If it was popular in New Zealand, it was probably like. Important. Yeah, but okay. Going back to well, that, Ryan, what you just said, what would be a big bleep in the music world in the last twenty years? Uh, I don't like them, but the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Do you think that well, they're you? huge? They're huge. They're seminal. They're so they have, huge, and they've been they're, around. Forever. I would, I would say Red Hot Chili Peppers right? are seminal, longevity and Biscuit is, is not. Seminal. The Foo Fighters. I didn't, I didn't yeah, like Red Hot Chili Peppers Nirvana. until I read um, longevity, and they changed Pieces a generation. Limp Biscuit did not change a generation. Well, I fear that they did. Changed my life. I'll go back to my Nike hats now. No fucking uh, Yankee hats. Damn it, I fucked up. You gotta understand, right? Fred Durst was a producer. He was a tattoo artist before. He was a producer, so he knew how to produce, and producers know how to make a product out of what they're doing. That's what their job is. Their job is to take some talent, turn it into a product, and create. I'll say this. I'm not... I was a fan of Limp Bizkit when they were when they first came out, and then it, it passed over me. I was like, okay, I've I've got I'm over it. I was never a fan of Eminem, but I do recognize that Eminem is seminal in the last twenty years of music. He is, he is. I would yeah. agree with that. I, I actually I think, think he, he is talented versus Limp Bizkit. You don't think Limp Bizkit's talented? I, I I think that there's talent in Limp Bizkit. I don't know if it's. Entirely I think it was Fred more you timing you than talent. You can't compare apples to oranges like that. I don't think like Eminem compared to Limp Bizkit. I don't think you can compare it because it's completely. Well, it's like rock hip hop versus real hip hop. Yeah, well, and rock <laughs> and well, like real hip hop so, didn't didn't really translate to. And I won't. Eminem uh, fused rock and hip hop though too. Yeah, he did. Say, but, but I won't. I won't later. argue. Like I, I won't. What I wanted to hear the end of that sentence. Oh, Comedy so. was even better. Well, the, my uh, sentence. Which, uh, I will say this: uh, in between N.W.A. to Eminem, there was Limp Bizkit. I, I feel that it was a step in the evolution of what no, rock hip hop hip hop became. No. no, I believe I believe Limp Bizkit is just uh, a, a tier above uh, Kid Rock. <laughs> Man, <laughs> degustibus non est dispensatum, or whatever it is. 
Yeah, but in uh, matters of taste, there can be no dispute. But you know what? With that, yeah. But you know what? Maybe it's the same genre, right? It's the same genre. It's just not yum. The uh, should have got the spicy. But at the end the, of the uh, day, we, we get into the. I need spicy. The um, oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Go at ahead. the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I, I that's what I feel is like the hope for film in that, like, if 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 film is analogous to music, then we're going through a trend right now, and we're on the cusp where people are just going to be tired of the Transformers stuff. And yeah. then we'll get a new a, a ne- another renaissance. I mean, the, people will argue that the last renaissance in film happened in the early '90s when, like, there was yeah, all these independent filmmakers, and I'm using quotation marks, Ryan, independent filmmakers that came out of the woodwork through Sundance and Cannes and everything, and made. But he, ma- go ahead. Here's the thing on that is all those branches, because as you nicely put them in quotation marks, because it really is, because um, <laughs> you had Fox and Sony. And whoever, like, I don't know if New Line is part of it, but all these companies making these, like, indie branches of their companies. Yeah, the Weinsteins Weinsteins are a famous example, right? Yeah, so they had all these indie branches, but those all shut down in the last couple of years. They don't even exist anymore. Indie arms don't even exist anymore. Yeah. Well, because people saw for what they were. Well, like, I think that I think that a parallel in in that's happened in the music industry uh, is also happening in the movie, the filmmaking industry. But I think it's a couple steps behind uh, and will follow suit. And that I feel is that uh, independent is uh, no longer in the hands of the major corporations. I think that independent is now getting into the hands. It's truly independent, especially with music. And I think, like I said. I think it's true, the, 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 the parallels between music and film in a way, but the thing about music is, like, it has an underground culture yeah. that is actually, that is sustainable. Film does not have an underground culture that's no. sustainable because of how expensive it is to make a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a very or, or good point. Maybe and distribute or whatever. Like, okay, you go back to the 90s, right? Um, you had punk rock. It was somewhat underground, slowly, you know, slowly blowing up until it, you know, completely disintegrated upon itself. But you had punk rock that was underground but sustainable. You had these like indie labels existing, you know, that were ma- they were churning out CDs. These people were making a living, and they were making music. Um, and now I feel a lot of it sits in like hip hop has a lot of underground culture, at least in 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 Ontario. It's pretty solid. It's pretty big. Um, that has like a personality. In like a you know an anti-establishment type feel mm-hmm. to it of of what punk rock was in the nineties, but it's sustainable because all you do is you get some people together, you sit go in a you go in a car or a van or whatever, and you just drive around playing shows and making money. No, it's true. Um, but, uh, well, no, and I think so expensive. If I'm trying to make a feature a feature film, like to really do it, you know, I need at least what three hundred thousand dollars to really, really, really pull it off, and then. Or you can go really cheap and hope you get lucky. Well, and you hit the nail on your head when you said, and make money. I think that was the key because mm-hmm. what you just said, go around, drive around in your van and do X, Y, and Z, you can do that with film, right? Like you've seen some, I've seen some of the most amazing fucking videos recorded off of an iPhone 4. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the key is to make money. And that was actually one of the things we ran into this week, actually, with the uh, YMMIFF. Where uh, one of the people that submit, or they're, they 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 wanted to submit, but they're looking for a fee waiver. So of course we gave them the canned response uh, of we're not accepting fee waivers at this time, and they wanted to argue the point. Well, not argue the point. Uh, I brought the argument into the, into the case, but they were baiting you. Well, no, they said, well, are you guys uh, paying for? Are you guys having screening fees? 
and I, and uh, well, fortunately we do are aware of what Carfax is and what the screening fees are because we've been doing it for a while in short series because in the end we all want to make money right and we want to pay for what the product we have but when I told them we don't we aren't doing uh, screening fees this year it is something we want to look at into the future uh, I got the huge fucking lecture of blah 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 you're using someone else's content to to fund your own festival i it wasn't wrong, it wasn't a wrong statement i just think they're aiming at the at the wrong person well i mean the, yeah. here's the, here's the thing uh where where uh from us we're we're making that tr- we're, we're making that leap or we're crossing that bridge from filmmaker to we jump sides a lot. <laughs> to, to yeah exactly right we're showing films now right yeah. so we're 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 treading you know we're, we're filmmakers that are actually running a film festival and that really puts you guys it, like you're you're kind of like uh how do I how do I find the balance here, right? Because if it were up to but me, you can support the culture, and you can. I mean, that's what film festivals are, right? A really yeah. good, solid film festival is promoting the culture, and it's going to be the. I mean, the thing is, is film festivals film festivals could be that um, underground, right? And that's what I think needs to somewhat happen. Basically, everyone's looking for a new distribution scheme in order to sell independent film, right? So I think these pop up. Um, smaller film festivals will be kind of the world that hopefully film gets to live in. I mean, we know that theater is not going to work. Um, yeah, so but, we're just kind of looking for that answer. But no, well, that was what. And to be honest, like uh, uh, having a fee structure for a film festival is something I seriously want to look into next year because I think that'll make us stand out in line of the film festivals because fuck me and you've submitted f- films to a lot of fucking festivals mm-hmm. not one has ever offered to fucking pay money you know what I mean yeah that's true I, you know what I mean and if it's if it's something that we can budget I get sponsorship for and it's, it's a good sell point too is you are supporting artists of making this product mm-hmm. uh, essentially it's already a finished product but I just think that that'll something that'll make all the better for it'll make success. you stand out above the risk because I don't think we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars that's why I'll take our program and use it as a baseline because I think we're just talking into the couple thousand, right? So, yeah, but it, it's interesting. Like, I mean, this this year's film festival, more than any one that we've had before, is like our biggest. We've we're, we're oh, yeah. I mean, which I, is I was gonna say. Sorry to cut you off. Um, I um, was just having this thought, especially when Ryan, you were talking about uh, things having an underground sort of uh, culture and flavor. It just reminds me of the film fest episode of South Park. <laughs> How, like, oh, yeah. something so underground and so pure and so independent can just be ruined by people suddenly fucking liking it so much. Mm. So it's yeah. funny, you gotta watch that you gotta watch that tipping scale or else the bullshit filters in, right? The whole sound, the whole joke of it was the town got overrun by shit because of all the people that were coming to town. Yeah. But it was an analogy for all the bullshit of yeah. cans yeah, yeah. and Sundance. Yeah. Well, I recently read an article from Filmmaker um, about um, how basically what's going on is that what independent film is right now um, and I mean, even really indie films, is it still, it's not any better than the Transformers films out there because they are still trying to appeal to their, mar- like, to this target audience, right? Everyone's focused on this target audience type of mentality where um, if you track back to the 90s and what happened and why those films were so groundbreaking is because they were, like, genre-bending. Um, you know, Reservoir Dogs being a good example. Well, they were edgy, heist, right? It's a heist film without a, it's a heist. Film without a heist. So it had, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and, and, and my concern is that if, if, if we keep churning out films like, like, uh, like the, I mean, I, I love superhero movies, but if we keep doing the superhero trend as well as like this Transformers trend based on toys and all this stuff, what's going to happen to the voice of the next generation of filmmakers? I'm, I'm a little bit tired of the post 9 11 destruction of skyscrapers. Yeah. Honestly. 
That's what Rabbit is, right? It's an anti-superhero film at the core. <laughs> you said that with such pride. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All that. Way to, way to bring it back, though. <laughs> hey, well, I just, it is. He said superheroes. It is. It's an anti-superhero film. They bother me. I mean, I like them. I watch them, but... Mm. Yeah, shut up and take my money. I'm at every single screen. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's weird how Guardians of the Galaxy was so far removed from my radar a year ago where I'm like, I have no interest in this. I never read that comic, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is going to be the greatest Marvel movie of all time. It's just just like Neil Adams was saying, though. I mean, it's like the ability of Marvel, who's got all their properties tied up with other people in distribution and production, that they're able to go through the trash bin and pick up a title that nobody gives a shit about and make it win. Well, yeah. Jesus! Ever since well, I guess we'll still see though. Well, it hasn't no, but even yet. when they Just announced the it, alone, I think is a win. even when they're announcing it, they're saying the comic book sales have, have skyrocketed because they want to actually find out what the fuck is this guardian exactly. to the god? It's a curious. fucking tree! <laughs> it's a tree that says Groot. Steve. I, I am Groot. <laughs> well, here's the thing: Groot's my thing. If there's anything people don't like, is being left out. Like, That's I, true. I think Avengers was a really good example of that when. So many theater goers, general theater goers, were embarrassed when their friends that know about Marvel fucking shit talked them at the end of the credits of, of Avengers because they're like, "Who is that at the end?" And it's like, "You it's dumb Red fuck." Skull. I just remember so, and it's funny because the people kind of know us now too. I mean, I don't want to give us any like false notoriety, but when we were watching the latest X Men: Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. and the post credit scene or mid credit scene happened, we're exiting the theater, and like somebody's like that I didn't know was there, Steve. The fuck did that just mean? Yeah. <laughs> did you watch the new X Men, Ryan? I have not seen it. What the fuck? Did that, is this on his pyramids? There's a fucking horse in the, the back. Horse? What the hell is that? Yeah, he's like Steve. What? Who was that guy? I know, I, what I was know that? Well, what's the ending? Awesome. Oh, um, uh, Apocalypse gets introduced. Ah, cool. But but the thing is, it's he's not like fully apocalypse. He's like Abend. He's uh, uh, he's uh, I'm in set. Yeah, and and it's like yeah, you see like the four horsemen in the distance, and there's these floating pyramids. So like, if you have no knowledge of the X Men comics and your movies are the only (laughs) reference, you're like, the fuck is going on? It's true. If I didn't read like the fucking spoilers before I went to the movie theater, I wouldn't have a clue what the fuck it was. And the horsemen, maybe like that. That was I think that was Singer's only way of being like. It's apocalypse. But even if you watch the X Men cartoon, apocalypse is a is a purple fucking thing, though. Yeah, exactly. Even if you watch the X Men cartoon, you wouldn't have made the connection. Um, How were the Sentinels? I know we argued about that when we last talked about that. They looked really cool in the seventies, but the fucking future versions were shit. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like the way the future versions looked, but I got they went all fucking T one thousand with them. Well, they went all Uh, mystique with them. Literally, I even hated that. I just hated that link. That, that was a, that was a plot device to have more mystique and more Jennifer Lawrence. More Jennifer paint. Lawrence. That's that's what it was, and not that I'm complaining. But that's no, no. Exactly but Ryan, I, I will say this: um, that movie, more than any of the previous X Men movies, feels more like an X Men comic book movie. Especially, oh, really? I, don't, yeah. I don't want to bury the lead, but especially I like the ending, I was like, holy shit! I did see the one prior. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. And I'm. I'm actually not a big fan of X Men. <clears throat> yep. I'll say that after the first one, it was kind of a bit of a downhill slope for me because the the biggest draw for the first one was like this movie's about Wolverine and and you know all the Wolverine fans yeah, went like the and then the one, big the first one I'm yeah sorry? yeah two thousand the, the original Brian Singer yeah and and the yeah. big twist was that 
It wasn't about Wolverine, which I appreciated because I'm like, oh, that's awesome that they played on the fans that way. But then every other movie after that was all about Wolverine. Yeah. So uh, this movie actually uh, uses Wolverine as a plot device, but the story is all-encompassing. So I really appreciated that. But in the same way that the but book does. you can't does, break that 2000 film. Like a, I mean, even if it wasn't the greatest film, it's like that actually is what started, in my opinion, the yeah, entire superhero. It did. Trend. It did well yeah. between that and finally seeing Spider-Man in live action web swinging in New yeah. York. Yeah. yeah, those two moments. Yeah. Come were on, though, what, uh, solidified it. I've always it wasn't Blade X two or, or, or Punisher the Mike uh, Dolph Lundgren one from the eighties. <laughs> oh man, X two though. So I, I, X we, fuck it. We're going on X Men right now. Cinephiles. I thought with. it was Spawn. Spawn was on that. Yeah, started it off. Spawn, Spawn was like the, Spawn was too ambitious in my opinion. Like it oh, wasn't the CGI happen. wasn't ready. <laughs> And it was it was just happen. done with it too much. I'm actually camp. a Spawn fan too. I'm not that not of the film, but I like the story. And Dennis so Hopper was terrible. It's a it's a shame. I feel really bad for uh, John Leguizamo because I thought he did a good job in that movie. Clown, yeah. yeah. Um, He's what sells it to me, man. The guy mm-hmm. who actually plays Spawn, I can't even remember his name now. Michael's. Uh, oh fuck, he's in uh, Walking Dead, isn't he? Mm-mm. Well, no, see, he's in something right. recently. He's yeah. been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I can't yeah. Remember. But regardless, did you guys he's watch a bit the of a robot. Series? Of Spawn, I watched a few of them. Yeah, I saw it. Be solid. That that actually is the Spawn movie, in my opinion. I'll never yeah, forget the original cartoon for the toys, or, or the original commercial for the toys. It's like Spawn, Violator, Medieval Spawn. Yeah. And it, like, <laughs> I remember, and I kicked myself because they had the fucking comics, the first edition comics with the toys. And I fucking got rid of them. Like I could, uh, and I think they're worth quite a bit of money. Well, right it's now, funny. So. You don't know what's a collectible until it becomes a collectible, right? Here's the problem now with like pop culture. It's collectible. Like, everything. Edition. Everything yeah. is a fucking so collectible. collectible. It's not a fucking collectible if you make a million of them. Yeah. <laughs> it is if you only make a hundred. Yeah. And they only sold at San Diego. <laughs> so toys does make limited runs. Yeah. They don't reprint. <laughs> Good job. Right on. I had a few. <laughs> so, last pitch there, Ryan. Where can the, where can the masses find you online? Um, so, yeah, if you go to Vimeo and um, you, know, you go type in the link, and then after your slash, if you type type in Ryan M C Hansen, you can see all my films. Um, Not M C Hammer. <laughs> M C Hansen. M C. Yeah, it's my middle initial. It's not Mick. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Mick Hansen. <laughs> yeah, I'm not something. Mick it a McDouble Mick Hansen. Um, and then the Indiegogo campaign will be going live uh, this week. So I would say on Monday, just check up Indiegogo, type in Forever Rabbit, and it will be up there. We'll probably link it to this pod. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll link, link you. it all over the Facebook. We'll link you through the podcast stuff, man. Uh, all over the Facebook neck and chest. Do we? <laughs> wow. Do you have anything for this year's uh, YMMIFF? I can't remember off the top of the head. No, I don't think Ryan does, Me? actually. No. I do not. It's a shame because we got a red carpet this year, so you could have come down like as like the reigning <laughs> champion baller. <laughs> you should just come. This will be this will be my best show for fun. I can guarantee you that. All right, on. Well, we look forward to next. Year. We money, look forward to seeing it next no year. It'll be my best. Just time will be the difference. <laughs> right on. See it two years if I get no money. All, All right. right. So, right on, buddy. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. No problem. It was awesome. I. Really enjoyed it, considering I should have been in bed probably like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, you are in Toronto, <laughs> so it's like... in front of my editing suite tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry, my life, man. <laughs> right on. So we do a little closeout, Ryan. You'll, you'll kind of catch on when you hear about it. So for this episode of the YMN Podcast, I'm Totsky. I'm Tito. I'm Ashkay. I'm Steve.
I'm Ryan. <laughs> we'll see you next set. Man Entertainment Production in association with Hyperphotonic Media. Find out more at ymmpodcast.com.